Hello, everyone. Al Madrigal from the All Things Comedy Network. Uh, quick message about fundraising. Thank you so much for listening to an All Things Comedy podcast that you are supporting here. We have a sticker uh, that you can buy for five bucks. It says, I support All Things Comedy. If you can go to TubeStart.com, we have a brief campaign going to support our new studio. No one's making money off of this. We're hoping to just have this studio support the comics and make sure they can record in a great place at no charge. And thanks to you. All right. Appreciate it. Allthingscomedy.com, tubestart.com. Thank you very much. Coming to you from New York City, this week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. Ready to go? Yeah. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm joined by Mike Coscarelli, as always. Thanks for being here, Mike. Hi, Ben. And uh, special guest today, Saman Arbabi, is in the studio with us. Mike and Ben, good morning. Thank you so much for being here, Saman. Uh, for those that don't know Mr. Arbabi, I say Google it. Uh, it's Saman, S-A-M-A-N, Arbabi, A-R-B-A-B-I. And uh, he's a legend, a world superstar, and uh, a true American hero. In this room, yes. Thank yes, you. that's right. That's right. <laughs> he works for uh, On 10, which is the Iranian Daily Show. And if you want to uh, listen to Saman and I speak previously, go to Abling and Stop At on Cave Comedy Radio. We've had some amazing discussions. Saman or Bobby, you just interviewed Jon Stewart. I sure did, last night. That's amazing. Yeah. I watched the I watched the Bill O'Reilly John Stewart debate last night on YouTube. Well, mine couldn't possibly be that good, <laughs> right? That's... Oh, I'm sure it's gonna be much better. <laughs> oh, well, no, I don't know, man. These guys yeah. together, it's pretty interesting. So you interviewed John Stewart because he has a new movie coming out called Rosewater, correct? Um, which is based off a book called Rosewater. Yes, which is uh, based off a journalist in Iran who did something for the Daily Show uh, in 2010 during the revolution, right? 2009. Mazir Bahari at the time. He's he's an Iranian British. Uh, with Canadian citizenship. So he's the year. sexiest man in the world. <laughs> sort of. He, he was an uh, <laughs> independent uh, journalist who was sent to Iran to do stories for... Uh, BBC and also Newsweek at the time when Newsweek was still alive. Right, and this is 2009 in Iran, so put us there. What was the country like? This was before a huge journalist crackdown? In 2009, right before the elections, um, the Iranian media made it seem like this is the most democratic uh, election in the Middle East ever. So they, they basically right. try to copy everything we were doing here by having like debates and shit like that on yeah. TV. So it looked very cool, very democratic. They hyped it up. Um, so it looked very sexy from outside. It, it seemed like, okay, this, this isn't any different than when Obama was running. Right. Um, till the elections happened and people didn't accept the results because there was a lot of conflicting stories and stuff like that that like, for example, the announced the winner before the election um, polls were actually closed. And that oh, you got to you got to <laughs> get your email chains in order. Exactly. Can you imagine somebody's <laughs> just like uh, be three hours too early with the announcement? I mean, that person probably had their tongue cut out. Well, uh-huh. you know, or their fingers chopped uh, off time and, you know, clock isn't really a, 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 an issue in the Middle East. I don't okay. know if you've met with Middle Eastern people, but 10 o'clock means like four in the afternoon. Oh, that's perfect. And you're talking about 10 the night before so it's like yeah, yeah. So clearly that didn't happen but then when when the election results came out Ahmadinejad uh, won mm. by a landslide which seemed even more ridiculous they people said, didn't like him no they didn't like him and the government said he won by 63 okay. percent which did not because I mean it was such a huge election and the green movement the opposition right 
voting for Musavi at the time was so huge and so big that it, it was so overwhelming that it couldn't have... I mean, if they had said maybe 53%, right. it would have maybe been a, a, a less of an issue for the government. But after when they said 63%, people said this has been rigged, this is bullshit. So then right. they took to the streets. First few days was nonviolent. Then um, the Supreme Leader Khamenei went and basically gave the green light and the go-ahead to the Basij, the paramilitary mm-hmm. thugs in the street, saying that if this doesn't stop now the you know the the opposition protests and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, there will be consequences and it's going to be it's it's going to be your fault basically saying if you're going to get killed tomorrow in the street right. don't blame me it's because you were there you yeah. were there right. and whatever happens happens so right. then the shit hit the fan and that famous video of Neda came out who was the shot woman who was shot yeah right. so that's when um, things just went to a whole different level it became an international issue all the media networks were covering it and right. that's where my show just fucking just took off that's where you became a huge voice uh in iran i b- became a huge opposition voice in iran to yeah, the government that's when i actually beat salman rushdie as far as being the most hated human being saman <laughs> you were the second most wanted man in iran i do believe if you step foot in iran i mean your head is uh it's on a it's on a stick i mean you're you're gone forever as soon as you uh you can't even go i don't can you even travel outside of new york city uh, without telling too many people, yeah. Yeah, keep it quiet. Yeah, I don't tweet about it. You're a wanted man. Yeah. And by the right people, I think. By the right people. Yeah. And as you mentioned, um, you know, the Revolutionary Guard in Iran basically right. kind of runs everything. The economy, the politics, everything. It's their business, basically. Um, and they also have a bunch of publications and, you know, they run the media as well. And Is there of, like a revolutionary guard like... They um, have different names, but yeah. if you do your research, you find out like the most cool name actually belongs to them. So do they, they have it, like a hunks of the revolutionary guard magazine that comes out? They're working out? on that. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Uh, I can't wait to see that. The centerfold's full read. of hair. It's great. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so one of their websites a couple of years ago came out with the top six people that they called... Um, uh, infidels, and you would have fatwa on your head, right? Not a, not a clear fatwa, but basically saying kafir. Kafir means infidel, and and, and, okay. and that in that culture, in amongst the religious extremists, means if you kill that fucker, you're gonna go. You're done. You're you're going to heaven. Right. That's your ticket. So right. a lot I of- like that. It's it's just a little bit cooler than what we have in uh, in the United States and in Western cultures when we don't like some. Oh, you're a dickhead. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, what a, what an ass. You know what a, what you know. You're you're uh, basically you're a butthead. Some people even say butthead out there. But infidel. It's so much cooler. It's infidel. So much, yeah, infidel is like it's the badass. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. So yeah, I was in. in Six people they mentioned. Right. So this is 2009. The journalist is over there. He met with The Daily Show to do a comedy routine. Yes. So Mazia Bahari, the journalist we're speaking of, he was there with press credentials. So he Mm -hmm. was actually okayed by the government to go and cover. And so were so many other international journalists from around the world because, you know, they were trying to make it seem like this is a very cool democratic election. So the Iranian government invited them to come in and just be like, show the world how amazing we are. It's not that easy to carry a camera or be a journalist in Iran. We all know it. So for that time, they right. they relaxed the laws by a bit because they didn't expect it to be this bad. <laughs> right. So a lot of it seemed like it's cool. And I actually read, because uh, I, I covered the elections from Dubai where there are a lot of Iranians as well. But uh, on the way there, I was I actually read the Newsweek 
for that issue. And Farid Zakaria was, you know, he had commented about some stuff in there, and including Maziar. And they were all very optimistic and very, very, very positive. Right, yeah, and the because action, of the, and they were all with the Green Movement. They all sided with what was the name of the? Uh, they uh, they the weren't candidate? just uh, Musavi. Musavi okay. was the. They weren't just for the opposition, but they actually the, every single one of them said this is a great step forward for the Iranian government in opening doors to people deciding what they want and what they don't want. So the pic, the picture everyone was painting was beautiful. Right, uh, including Fayed Zakaria and Mazir Bahari, who were covering this as. Journalists yeah. who were trying to be fair. So when this thing hit the fan, Mazira was one of the few people that actually carried a camera, and he filmed some incredible footage of uh, the besiege shooting and killing the demonstrators and stuff like that. And he allowed BBC to air that video, knowing that a lot of the stuff that he had filmed was actually in front of uh, very sensitive military buildings that they're probably going to be able to find out and find see on, the, on, on their own videos that who's right. been Oh, destroyed. So with the Iranian government, did they have a point in being extremely angry with the release of this video? I mean, did, 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 they give, did it give up uh, government secrets, military locations no, that they no. wouldn't have known before this, this video? Was, this was all public, but okay. it, it showed a, a bad image of the government and they're worried about these things, so they, right. they care. Uh, so they better go kill everybody. They're making <laughs> us look terrible. Yeah. Let's kill half the Get damn it. country. So they found out who he was. They picked him up from his mom's house. He lives in England. Um, and his wife was pregnant. He was only supposed to be there for like a week. Okay. They picked him up. They threw him in jail. And they started digging deep in his to per, in, into his personal life. Right. And... In that stuff, amongst many things that they, you know, they had access to, including emails and Facebook accounts, because that's the first thing they wanted to go in and look and take a right. nice look. They found out that he had also given an interview <laughs> to this to this character uh, called Jason Jones. Okay. Who uh. in this skit, and a lot of people have seen it. It's pretty funny. If not, you should go and look at it. Um, Jason Jones wearing a kafia around his neck, you know, making fun of these douchebag Western um, journalists who go to Middle East and they think, you know, they can blend in by just yeah, putting right. one of these stupid kafias around their blonde hair. Right, <laughs> making fun of the Anderson Coopers of the world. Yeah, who, exactly. Uh, again, research Saman. You, he's uh, he was in multiple war zones, basically just. Hopping around bombs as if he was a kid playing hopscotch in Iowa somewhere. Uh, I mean, you're like you're. It's you, exciting. It's exciting for you, yeah. yeah. For me, I would no. I can't. Where's Dunkin' Donuts? That's what I always say. <laughs> nah. Wherever I land, I need Dunkin' Donuts immediately. It's pumpkin That's, spice latte season. Exactly. Yeah. I can't be out here in the Lebanese war. This is nah, insane. No, no, we had Dunkin' these bombs. Yeah, so exactly. Different story. But, but Anderson Cooper records from basically a green screen wherever he is. Kinda. I, mean, I don't want to pick on him alone, but uh, these guys go with with. Uh, uh, huge amount of crew and right. protection like right. they rent like a floor in the best hotels with a lot of guards right. and so and this is what James Jones the character was mocking and you know what to be honest with you uh, you saw Anderson Cooper when he tried to blend in, in he almost in got murdered Cairo. he almost got yeah. killed by the same people that he was actually trying to say that oh, they're, they're about to overthrow the government but right. they went crazy on his ass so yeah 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 you, you, there's certain places you don't want to go and oh and, and anderson's a national treasure i mean nothing should happen to anderson i don't want to see him i don't want to see them get his order wrong yeah. at a dunkin donuts okay. treat anderson with respect you know he's, he's, a, he's our <laughs> tiny twink you know uh -huh. i love anderson planet would not revolve without 360 i agree no. i agree
Yeah, I like that. That was good. Yeah. So the interview. Uh, uh, oh yeah. So Mich- they. Uh, what? Oh my god. How do I say his name? Jason Jones. Not Jason Jones. I can say that one. Oh. Maziar Bahari. Maziar. Uh, so he gave this interview with this guy, and everyone knew it was parody. He knew it was parody going in, it's right? It's the Daily Show. Right. Right. So, it, but the Iranian government might not be so up to date on uh, on political humor. Well, it's there's a huge gray area when you say the government. Okay, do you mean the government, or do you mean some idiots or a bunch of idiots in the government? Idiots in the government. In the Middle East, you have to understand when you deal with one person, it doesn't necessarily mean he is. He may be working for the government, right. but it doesn't mean maybe maybe he's giving his own orders at the time. With you know, it's like it depends on the person you're dealing with. Was well, right. that kind of this, the same thing here too, realistically? N- uh, kind of, but there's always like a dog, like a you know a watchdog finding things and going after corrupt cops and stuff, the cops and stuff like that. Right, uh, right, 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 right. We of course this we have ton load of problems here but over there yeah. it's at a different level where sure. you actually bribe big officials right, in the government okay. and stuff like that you know we yeah. do it here but it's called lobbying in the congress and stuff sure. like that. Right. okay there, there's is much more less organized let's just say right yeah. so they they found that that he had given this interview to this character called jason jones and jason jones is actually playing like a half spy american journalist spy in in Iran and their purpose of cre- making this story was actually to show that Iran's not a, a freaky place right uh, so you see Jason Jones having kebabs with normal people and acting like a paranoid American in, in Iran and right. he's always dealt with something completely opposite than what he expects like he, he one of my favorite scenes was he, he's out in the street bunch of kids are playing soccer riding their bikes he starts passing out cigarettes to them <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like the iraqi soldiers because the daily show and specifically john stewart uh they're very sensitive to iran they're very Extremely. sensitive being uh, they're just you know, very sensitive as islamophobic about, or right. anything like that yeah i mean the whole daily show's angle is always about correcting our mistakes here right. in, the, you know, in the united states and this is of course axis of evil i mean iran right. seemed like everyone did just think they were truly so they picked on the wrong show and the wrong characters here right. maziar and the daily show with john Stuart Jason Jones. That was stupid. It was ironic that they did. Right, and 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 in in that segment, there is a, a scene where Jason Jones meets in a coffee shop, like spies do, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. in Tehran, and and they talk about Iran politics and stuff like that, and they play, they play, and it's a completely funny skit, you know, where Jason's just being this weirdo, you know, trying to find stuff, but it's all like really. Non, it's not important. It's all general stuff and funny right. stuff. So uh, during the interrogation, they picked on several things. And again, when you when you said, "Who are you dealing with? Mm-hmm. Is it the government?" Well, the character he had to deal with, he was some weirdo who had his, like for example, one of the things he they found that and they found in Maziar's uh, room was DVDs of The Sopranos. Right. So this guy kept pointing at these DVDs is like porno isn't it this is porno right and he's like no it's not really well if it's porno. not porno then why am I rock hard <laughs> looking at James Gandolfini buddy <laughs> I mean who would who could possibly confuse the Sopranos for porno check right. out the tits on that guy oh my god what a, a bunch of tits hairy Italian men running around killing random right. people so, oh that's some hot <laughs> maybe that is porno in Iran yeah. I don't know so clearly if, with that kind of mindset when you watch uh, the Jason Jones bit, you're not, oh you you don't think it's a joke. <laughs> right. So 
I don't know how serious they took it, but they actually used that against them in the interrogation to to basically say, "Look, we have you on record." If I will say, <laughs> if he did have like a, a Sopranos version, like a Sopran hose or something like that, like porno <laughs> tape, I would say arrest him. I would say arrest him in the United States. That's a great question. Ron Jeremy as James Gandolfini. As, I would love oh, to ask Mazia and be like, "Okay, Mazia, so uh, let's, well, let's, let's just get clarify something yeah. here." That's good casting. Kind of like Edward mm-hmm. Pena's hand. Was this the? Was this? Right. Was this? the Sopranos or whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. But this guy was a freak. So, And at, what was the name of the interrogator here? His name is Rosewater. And Rosewater. The, the and that's re- the name of the movie and the name of the book. The reason he was nicknamed Rosewater was because when this was the main and pretty much the only human being Mazier was dealing with because when, as he said it in his interviews, when he was put in isolation uh, in solitary jail for like, Hundred and some days, and he had no idea when he was going to be out. No, so this must have really drove in him nuts. Like we discussed on uh, a couple of episodes, I went to jail for twenty-two hours. Yeah. Not nearly as bad uh, as Maziar's uh, no. struggle, but the one issue that was sort of grading was you never know if you're staying until Saturday or if you're staying until Monday. Obviously, his is a much more macro situation, but he thought he he could be there indefinitely. Yeah, and and he said it in in his bunch of his interviews that the first thing they do is they take away all your senses, so you're right. you're in this room with really tall walls that you don't you can't see anything out there you don't know what time it is right you can't smell anything the food they give you is like tasteless mm-hmm. so basically they take away all your good all your senses to right. drive you to the point of suicide cuz your your emotions are all fucked with imagine right. if you couldn't have like everything we do everything we touch everything we eat everything right. we look at everything we listen you have something like stimulating in your brain right. and then the whole time he's just like can I at least have the soprano hose can, I please, can you give me my smut back please I have a feeling his interrogator was using it next door no I'm sure that right. he was <laughs> so yeah so this person was the only person he had contact with and he knew his life is in this guy's hands right. and it's not about the government or anyone else it's and about this dude and his relationship with this dude and he smelled right. he didn't know the guy's name right. but this guy would put on rose water uh, uh, for like cologne for, for to torture s- too. No, is there anyone at Guantanamo Bay be like, oh, I better spray spray on my uh, you know Dolce Gabbana? Brute is torture too. Brute's torture. <laughs> oh yeah, oh that's the worst thing of all time. And that's also if you are being he had held more in class, class, he put rose water on. Exactly, rose water is a better name if you're if you're writing the same book as a Guantanamo prisoner. Yeah, brute as the name of your uh, as the name of the person uh, waterboarding you is more accurate yeah. than rose water. Yeah. Far more, worse than those pyramids that came. Out. Oh, definitely. So yeah, Rose, and so he had to create this image and this. I mean, this character was the only thing he was dealing with. So in his head, he had to think about who this person is. And he never saw Rosewater. Well, he was blindfolded a right. lot of times, but he, yeah, he, he, some when he was taking a beating or sure, or he was being kind of like you know interrogated. They would take take off his. So he knew what he looked like, but he would know when he's coming around, and and he would the only s- smell that he had right. for those days in in prison was the stink of Rosewater, right, and that created a bad memory, I'm sure, and. So, so he nicknamed him Rosewater in his imagination, and the book is called Rosewater, right. and the movie's called Rosewater because it's all based on this rat bastard's character. He's gonna have real PTSD when he hugs somebody's grandmother one day, oh. and he's just gonna freak out because she loves her Rosewater uh, perfume. And Rose, Rosewater is very common in Iran because they use it in a lot of um, like incense and uh, not just that, but like uh, bakery and okay. It's a tasty thing when you mix it with. 
certain things as an ingredient, and Iranians use it for a lot of different stuff, especially sweets. And they weren't beating him with a Danish. No. You know? no. What were what were some of the tortures <laughs> that he had to go through? Physically, he wasn't like tortured like the way you would think he would yeah. be tortured in jail. But you know, the guy would like make sure that if he wants to get violent and physical on him, he wouldn't leave marks, so he wouldn't like punch him in the face because he was ordered to keep this guy clean for the. Uh, forced confession that he was about to give on television oh, I see. oh shit so his physical being was actually pretty important but the guy would lose it once in a while and there's a scene in the film that's kind of funny because he doesn't want to hit maziar he's controlling himself really hard not to punch R- him right. so maziar is handcuffed against the wall and he's using his shoulders kind of like doing this punching dance scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to like hit him or bring as much force and pain to Mazir without physically like punching him in the face by using other methods of beating him. But a couple of times, yeah, he hit him in the back, punched him and stuff like that. Okay. But he was mostly mental, mentally uh, tortured. Right. And being, as he said, being in solitary confinement mm. and stuff like that, that is torture. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Right. So yeah. no matter how you want to label it, if you want to add or take away the physical part of it, which was a part of this as well. That's just different techniques in the actual torture, which right. he had to experience. Dude, yeah. Basically being alone with your own thoughts. Right. Just be tortured. He had oh, no it's awful. idea you know? what's going on outside. Yeah. Yeah. And like you Are mentioned- my family behind? That was, right. that was, the, and that's why this film's kind of cool because he's lost. He yeah. has no idea what the fuck's going on. He's right. only dealing with the psychopath a couple of times a day. Right. And, and so he has no idea what's going on until, one time, the interrogator, or one, no, sorry, one of the guards that was escorting him in and out of his cell, as sarcastically as a joke, is like, hey, Mr. Clinton, you're popular. And to him, for the first time hearing that, Mazier was like, oh. People know. He put it together. He's like, Clinton, Hillary Clinton, United States government, British government, my family. So he, that's, right, that right. was the first time. And then there's a dance scene after that in the film because he starts celebrating in his brain that, okay, now I understand what's going on. Right. There are people out there working hard to And not to just get people. Bill Clinton, one and, of the most famous right. human beings on the face of the and planet. If right. I am Hillary's right. husband now in the Iranian jail, then my wife is definitely doing a hell of a job. Right, so right. right. That, that was his hope that he needed to survive and he knew it's just a matter of time and he's not going to be killed because they did like some bunch of um, mocked executions and stuff like that oh with him yeah I mean the guy took him out in the yard took off his um, uh, his blindfold and put a gun to his head and it was blank so that kind of shit you know it looks weird in the movie but for you in that mindset to be dragged out and... I mean, to be fair, though, that is part of uh, Iran's best reality show. You think you're going to die. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and then, of course, the punchline is when they don't. It's like... Which, there you go. Yeah. The bang, the bang uh, <laughs> drape falls down from the gun and everyone laughs and laughs uh, and laughs. And back, to, back to the cell with you. That's so the movie. His wife was pregnant this entire time. Yeah. And did she give birth to his child while he was in uh, solitary confinement? So, yeah, and that's the romantic side of this story because his wife was pregnant. He left only to return quickly because she was about to give birth. So in reality, when he was released from Iran, his wife gave birth five days later, and they named his daughter Maryam, which goes back to his other interesting part of the um, bio about his sister Maryam, who was also put in jail for political reasons at the beginning of the revolution and tortured. Uh, And his father, 
who was a lefty, like a communist, during yeah. the Shah, who was also put in jail and tortured. Good so he came from a generation of political people who were put in jail for different reasons, different governments. Right. And he now was experiencing the same shit under the Iranian government as a journalist who was labeled to be a spy. And so there's a lot of stuff in the film that he's having these conversations mm -hmm. and thoughts talking to his dad for inspiration and his sister that right. are bringing back their memories and their suffering and their ways of finding ways to survive in that kind of environment by taking their advice and their whatever they, they had taught him as a child. Right. So there's a lot of going back and forth and having these imaginary conversations with his father. With his father his who went through the exact same thing and maybe even more brutal. Not as brutal, no. No, not as brutal. No, I, the Iranian, you know, the, the that's the thing, like, uh, Shah was very, you know, he was, he was, the Shah was a dictator, but he, he didn't, he w he didn't dictate your life. Right. And what you think and all, he wasn't religious, so it was, it was a, he was a political dictator and his weakness and what he thought was the worst was what the West had told him mm -hmm. and what he had experienced and that was the communists and the, you know, the leftists. So he, he, he was very rough and abusive and at the time the intelligence uh, their yeah. CIA was called Savak, trained by the CIA. So they they were very brutal. But what this government did was they took and learned everything they had learned, right? What they practiced, and they just took that shit to a whole different level, right? So this is a regime. Well, before they, so the Shah let them keep the. This porno is like the ISIS of Al Qaeda, it. right? 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 You right. know. So right. Um, yeah, it's crazy. That's the number one fear is going to prison, and obviously we talk about it, especially on Able Against Top Hat, quite often. Three million people in prison. I think we make up uh, twenty percent of the world's prison population here in the United States. You guys have a um, big audience, man. Oh yeah, we're. Uh, <laughs> It's it's great, um, but it's terrifying. So uh, so he did the Daily Show interview. This was one of the pieces of evidence, so-called evidence, used to uh, you know put him in solitary confinement for almost half a year. And uh, yeah. John Stewart wasn't exactly thrilled with his role <laughs> in uh, in helping this man's uh, life take a turn for the worst. Yeah, being the good guy he is, um, you know, he was very involved and felt bad because immediately it wasn't just Mazir but there were a couple of other people Mazir was one of the main ones that were put in jail that he was in contact with and he felt bad because he thought like even if there's 5 or 10 or 20% of anything right. that caused this and I was part of it he knew he was part of the you know the question then I'm guilty or I feel bad so he's just a good guy he didn't you know it wasn't his fault right. oh but, yeah nobody wants to help put somebody uh, in prison in Iran. No, that and he didn't feel help. Terrible. It was just like you're dealing with an irrational government who, right. who fucking, right. he, it, makes, it just doesn't make any sense. So when Mazir was released, he came back to The Daily Show. The, the opening was very funny and, and he, he's like, well, Mazir, so you were put in jail. What happened? And he, his answer was, because of you, John. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, so Mazir wrote the book. It was a very good book. I enjoyed it. Um, and he asked John if he would be interested in helping him turn this into a film. Yeah. And that's when John's like, yeah, I've never done this, but this is a great story. You're right. a great guy. And they're very good together. Um, they're great friends. So he decided to pick this up as his first movie. That's amazing. And you got a sneak preview of the movie, what, last Wednesday yeah. or something, and uh, you saw it, uh, it, it was great. Very well done, yeah. And, uh, and then uh, this past Thursday, it'll be out next Friday, which... Uh, November 14th. November 14th um, <laughs> is the... I don't know why you looked at me. I don't know, like Mike. I You're supposed it. to have answers, Mike. You don't, you don't help me out at all. Because you were born in November? 
Good. <laughs> no, he's he's got the computer. He's got all the dials. I'm just I'm literally watching the levels go up and down. <laughs> well, I don't know. Watch the Sopranos for Christ's sake. Uh, Hose are Sopranos. Yeah, Hose, of Hose, course. Hose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Harry all, all the time. All seasons. Yeah, no lighters allowed on set. The whole mm. place will go up. Uh, but uh, but you interviewed him yesterday. Yeah. How I, was that experience? Uh, both Mazier and John uh, will be on the show. And Mazier is you know I've 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 met and. You know, I've known him for a couple of years. He's a yeah. great guy, great guy, and I recommend reading the book because uh, it's just his story is fantastic. It's inspiring. Is Manziar bitter at all? What's his? Uh, no. It, does he have? No. Um, That's the thing. These people are good people. They're not assholes. Right. So even if I bet you, if if Rosewater came to New Jersey, he had an obsession with New Jersey for some reason. I'll right. tell you about it later. But you know, it, I think Manziar was upset. And and the only it's funny because when we talked to him when he was released and and he came back to England on his way to the airport, uh, he just wanted to drop off his bags go see his wife. Right, you know, that was the first thing in his mind. Right before leaving the apartment, he stopped and he's like, "Oh, I gotta do one last thing." He went to his email and he sent himself an email knowing that the Iranian government's reading it. Because they released them by sort of saying, okay, you acknowledge that now that we're letting you go, you're going to spy for us. Okay. They probably didn't believe he would do it either, but that was kind of like the agreement that. Um, so he went online and he said something like, you know, like, fuck you. I haven't spied for anyone and I've, I'm never going to spy for you and all that. And the only thing he re- regrets out of this whole thing, Mazier's regret is like, I shouldn't have said fuck you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, he's a good guy. Right, so, right. you know, he's didn't not be he's, impolite. He's not obsessed about like, you know, these guys are too smart. They're, they're thinking about other productive stuff instead of being assholes. Right. And now, I mean, obviously, he's definitely turned this situation into a great, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a great book and now a great movie. It's a great story. And, uh, and sure. Yeah. And, and, and fuck Rosewater, <laughs> you know, milk yeah. it. Of course. You know, he, he was one of the reasons this shit happened. And you know what? In your face. Right. This is right. how it works. So, uh, yeah. And, and uh, John uh, was the second interview. Uh, I've only met him like three or four times in my life, but he's just fucking... That's exactly Super three person. or four times more than every other person on earth, really. Yeah, I mean, it's not not everyone gets to meet him three or four times. Yeah, you know? it's uh, he's he's just I can't say enough about him. Yeah, and uh, obviously you were on the Daily Show, and he really respects you. He considers you the almost superior version uh, of what he does because you actually put your life at which, risk. You are, which tells you how much more superior he is to me, because for someone with that kind of accomplishment and achievement and having this awesome. Right thing that he's done, creating so many other things in different languages that were inspired from his, his what he does on right. the Daily Show. Uh, that was like a fantastic comment. And man. John is not liked in Iran whatsoever. He Turns is. out they, they don't like the Jewish folks too much. The government hates John Stewart. <laughs> the government does, but yeah. not the Iranians. No, right. of course not. The, the second largest uh, Jewish po- um, population in the Middle East is outside of Israel is Iran. Right, which there is very lot, surprising. There are a lot of Jewish Iranians in L.A. and New York. They own half of New York. Ah, yes. <laughs> All the properties. So uh, so you got to meet yeah. with John and talk about the movie. Was there any question and uh, an answer that stood out that you, uh, that you well, really enjoyed? Just to touch on what you said that makes sense in the film, he really wanted to draw a separation between the people and the government. Right. Because, you know, we had so many shitty movies made about Iran with, like, Not Without My Daughter and yeah, things going, like that. Yeah, going, what is Not Without My Daughter? It was a really stupid film in 1980. Okay. Uh, by an anti-Iranian or anti-Muslim uh, backing. It sounds like it stars Liam Neeson. It no, does. Yeah. Not Without My Daughter! I swear to God. Taken no, Nine. That's no, not exactly Without My Daughter. I thought it was. <laughs> the person who played Sally... Um, Field? 
Sally Field played the lady. Not Sally Struthers, I wouldn't assume. No. no. Sally Field played the... Okay, so th- that story, to make it very quick, is about a domestic problem. Okay. A domestic abuse in a family, in a relationship, in a marriage between an American wife and an Iranian husband. Right. In Iran during the revolution and the back and forth they go in the abusive relationship they had, which happens everywhere. But the, whoever made this film made it a, a, a cultural Right thing. So the Iranian guy was a total asshole. So you, when you watch was, it, you yeah. think everyone in Iran is an is a wife beater. Right, right, right. right. And, and and that movie was just shit propaganda. But yeah. Mazi are both, and John were very sensitive. That doesn't come out right out of, out of the film, and that's why Mazi was a very close consultant next to John the whole time making right. this film. Uh, and that's very important for them to be understood that this is this is a very fair balance thing for you to look at and make your own. Uh, you know, judgment or decide what what you think this is about. But you know, it shows different sides of the society. Right. You relate to the cab driver. Um, you relate to Mazier's character. You relate to all the other people that were, uh, you know, mixed in the story. I personally relate to Rosewater. Love what he did. Love what <laughs> I mean, he's my guy. There has to be somebody who watches this movie that just is is going to cheer every time Rosewater does something terrible. I'm sure. Uh, they're they're as dark as this real story is there are some hilarious scenes yeah. in it and one of them was actually and i knew it was going to be in the book because when i knew it was going to be in the film because when reading the book it was cracking me up i was laughing my ass off it was rosewater's obsession with fucking new jersey yeah why did he love new jersey so i don't much? know but i think he this had this guy is the white he is the whitest trashiest person i can think of all he's doing now is just consuming sopranos and googling new jersey Yes, this every is, one of my uncles. Exactly. <laughs> Are they also corrections officers? Uh, police officers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know if he had read something in a paper or he had seen something in a film that New Jersey was sort of like the place that it... The place to be in New York or the place to be in America. <laughs> so in his, in New his Jersey. tiny little brain, he created this image with a big question mark about New Jersey. Right. Not even New York, New Jersey. So in the interrogations, he starts asking personal questions that Mazia understood that this has nothing to do with why I'm here. So this guy, you know, he wants to now get some stuff about him like about what he needs to take home and think about was rosewater doing this in a uh, childlike inquisitive way at all was he just like tell me about new jersey yeah please? And, and in the book and in, in the film you see his childish behavior and thoughts right that he's not questioning the main issue here but he's got other questions and he's just saying okay to everything he's been told to not question and he's, right. he's following those rules but that one of those things is like common fucking sense right. so he, he does all these things to uh make his superiors happy which is all stupid and nonsense and then there is this other side of him that that has this fetish what were some of the questions were, were he was he like uh, i hear that women dress na- or walk around naked in the streets in new jersey i mean he, this is really what he, some people think in the middle east something american do. women and i think uh, he had that like. he had that sort of image and right. mazir starts fucking with his head and he's like i really shouldn't be telling although now you. it's funny because i'm looking at the cover of the new york post and there's a naked <laughs> fat guy on it <laughs> if you get it if this you get a great. chance this is sorry rosewater this is new jersey but it's a fat <laughs> white dude <laughs> if you get a chance google new york post uh uh, uh, cover <laughs> I from November 8th, Saturday, November 8th. You'll see a huge fat guy naked on the cover and uh, proving every single Iranian right uh, <laughs> that people in uh, people in America just walk around nude. Yep. Of course, they do wear uh, nice sneakers. So though. I think Rosewater may have seen a PDF of this thing. Right. Basically, that was it. And Mazir starts fucking with him. He's like, 
I must I shouldn't be telling you this because he's trying to like win this guy's trust. Maziar is. Yeah, because his, yeah, of his course. life is in this douchebag's hands. Right, this right. this rock is And this, this is moron, the difference yeah. between who knows, his life and freedom is all in this fucking guy's brain and this guy's an idiot. Right. So he starts and obviously Maziar is a very smart dude, so it's easy to overpower some idiot like this and he right. starts talking about as if like he shouldn't be talking about this but I'm going to confess to you because you're my friend and he's like the reason I travel a lot uh, around a lot is because I love massages <laughs> and then and then Rosewater you start you start seeing him like come out of that evil aggressive yeah. character into this curious child who's like what what do you mean what's a massage what 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 kind of massage so he's now a kid who's who's living right. his dreams through Mazier's story because at the same time this rosewater character he's a very isolated he's just a he's just a rural redneck for all intents and purposes all he knows is the government line he's the gateway to this isolation basically he's right. that guy who makes sure that everyone's isolated especially in prison that's his right. life and then um so Mazier's like you know massages He's like, well, what, what, what type? What do you mean by that? So he, he kind of, yeah. you know, he's he's fishing, and Mazier's playing. He's like, well, you know, there are these exotic massages in in the in the West. He's like, really? What what kind? Uh, this is good for me. This is good for my report. I need to right, I right, need right. to know. So you know, he keeps like checking himself and shit. And he's like, yeah, you know, you know these massages. Sometimes you can, you know. It's for your pleasure, and sometimes you can actually have like multiple girls. So he, oh, uh, Rosewater's rock hard at oh, this yeah. time. And There's you, no way he can beat him now. All of his blood is in his dick. And I love that scene because he's looking out the cell window and and he's fantasizing this shit. He's like, oh. <laughs> so he's yeah. he's got a hard on. He's thinking about what Mozier's talking about, and he's like, yeah, you know these exotic. So basically, Rosewater's vision of New Jersey and this massage it's thing was sort of like his his dream. Right. Uh, he, I mean, so far, uh, Maziar's nailed it. I think that is New Jersey, <laughs> no, a yeah. bunch of rubbing tugs and uh, <laughs> right. random hairy people nude. So that, that I, thought, I thought it was funny. You guys see the film? The film was very well done. Yeah. Nothing missing from the book. The only thing I thought was missing in the book that I thought would definitely be in the film, and it was kind of like very poetic at the end, was uh, the email that he sent to... To um to his own email for right. for those guys to read because I thought that was a very cool message because he still thought about that and and right. he regretted saying fuck you <laughs> so, it's so funny but uh, that's it I mean you don't it's not missing from the film so then John Stewart this is his first uh, film directing uh, what were some of the things that he said in the interview that uh, that stuck out with you did you discuss what uh, you know the first what that experience is like directing for the first time did you discuss did he have any guilt uh, sending um, or contributing to Maziar being uh, sent to prison. Uh, what's John's perspective on the whole thing? I didn't ask him about the whole guilt thing because I think a lot of people ask him that. Sure, it's not really his fault. People, should, of course not. Yeah, you know, people. I don't think they should blame him for this. But um, well, I'm not gonna give up. Give give throw away the whole thing because that, I haven't even looked at the video yet. Oh, all right. <laughs> but but one line, one line. But I mean, to him, uh, it, he said a bunch of really good stuff. One of them was like, you know. Um, we knew, we need to lower our standards, which made a lot of sense. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's like, you know, we want the world to go in a better place, right. but we have to also allow it to go at its own natural pace. We, mm. should, we need to lower our standards. Basically, you know, smart people like him are very smart people. Right. But majority of people are stupid. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and you can't force it. You can't force them to be just as rational and smart so but you have to kind of 
give them the time. And he compared it to 100 years ago when during the famine and World War One. He's like, he's like, look what was going on 100 years ago. And me being his student and dumb, I was like, well, not much has changed, has it? Because we still have the same violence and, you know, we have Ebola fear and shit like that. He's right. like, yeah, but the difference is back then, 100 years ago, we were using chemical and mustard gas and siren and shit like that on each other and now it's illegal <laughs> and we right. we discuss it more and you know even our violence is more controlled and uh more checked with right. more rules <laughs> yeah so it that that made sense and you know it, it we've we have come a long way since 100 years ago That's we're great. still doing the same dumb things but there are more rules and questions about doing them in certain ways. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear the interview. That's November 14th, next Friday. Uh, I, I guess you can just find it on YouTube and stuff like that. I, I don't think it's going to be in YouTube, but it's going to be in theaters around the country. No, the interview that you did with John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to post it um, on yeah. my... Um, yeah, if, uh, I'm going to definitely... I think best place to find it would be my Facebook, Salman Arababi on Facebook that I'm definitely going to put there, yeah. share it from YouTube and stuff like that. But yeah, it's all in English. So And, and it's, it's, not, it's about the film, but the film is so powerful that it makes sense about a lot of the things that's going on today with a lot of irrational idiots. Right. Well, uh, let's switch uh, gears for one second because you're a genius and I always have to talk to you about foreign policy. Uh, you mentioned World War One. It was the 96th anniversary of uh, of the uh, of the World War One, and in Britain they always celebrate it. And the uh, ISIS had a plot Not to 96, 100 years ago. It was 96, I think. The war broke out in 2000. I mean, 2000, mm. 1914. Well, whatever. It says 96 in the paper that I'm reading, Saman. The 96th <laughs> anniversary of the end of World War One. End of. That's war right. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the war lasted for it was 1914. 1914 to 1918 was So it's the 100th uh, anniversary of the beginning and the 96th anniversary of the end. 100 years ago today, we were just beating the shit out of each other. But yeah, Mm. 96 years... How times have changed. ...till it ended. Yeah, 1918 was the end of it and the end of the German Empire, the Russian Empire, a whole bunch of shit happened after that. The Queen was going to be stabbed by a bunch of individuals in uh, in London, and they stopped this terror plot. It was a, a gang of uh, nineteen to twenty seven year olds, four kids who were just going to st- somehow get close enough to the Queen to stab her. So I don't think it was ever going to happen. Why? Why <laughs> do we even make news out of that? Yeah. Right. This sounds like a bunch of fucking kids with a really stupid idea that was right. never ever going to happen. Oh, it sounds. I mean, this is something that you think of. Uh, you know, three o'clock in the morning after everyone has had an entire uh, bottle of Jim Beam to themselves, <laughs> and maybe the weed just got uh, passed around and somebody laced it with meth on accident. You know, this is just. That would let's be go the stab best. the queen. She's eighty-six this, years old for Christ's sake. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of time left. Sometimes that you. I mean, sometimes you report stuff like this because it is so silly. Absurd. Right. A lot of times, yeah. I mean, news these days is very heavy. With but it, it scares stuff, people. You know? I think it does for no reason whatsoever. But do you think rational people could be scared by that to go like because we everybody in this they're going to stab laughs. the queen. Yeah, yeah but we're we, just like they're stabbing the we, queen. We all just laughed. Yeah. We all just dismissed it and we're like, no, that's not going to happen. Because, well, I don't care about her. So even rational people are under influence sometimes, and when the media makes a big deal out of that you think if the queen could be stabbed i could be stabbed anyone could well be stabbed, yeah so. anyone yeah that's true it could happen to anybody but fucking what do you th- i mean there's right. so many wackos out there with so many stupid creative ideas of doing things it that, just seems it's the plot from naked gun you it, know <laughs> g- kill the queen must kill the queen um but then uh obama has now we're sending 1500 new uh 
troops to Iraq, but they're not uh, ground troops. They're just advising. Non-combat. Which, uh, non-combat, which I don't know why they have to be troops. Then. I don't understand what that means. Uh, How can you be troops and non-combat? What's the ex- point of being a non-combat troop? I think it's a lie. I think that would be a lie. Uh, what? Why? What? Why are you there? Right. <laughs> are you cooking for a homeless shelter? Like whatever. Right. What, what are you doing? Yeah, we got the guns, but there's no bullets in them. We're not combat. I think the, the reason they're saying this is it's the same shit they were saying during the Vietnam War. We're right. sending um, consultants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're not. They want to say that these guys aren't actually going to be in the front of the war but they are going to be there's no doubt that there's going to we're running like 50 to 60 special ops every day right why the lie why why can't the why can't the administration uh why can't if you i mean honestly the one thing about bush he never was like we're gonna send in a couple of consultants and uh he was like we're sending everybody we're gonna kill Uh, everyone and this is our policy and it makes no rational sense but axis of evil well this is this is is the complete (laughs) contrast of the queen story you read now the government sometimes does these things on purpose for a bunch of stuff obviously for for you know not giving out top secret national security information stuff like that but also uh to not make this an like an um, like unpopular amongst the people the americans because we don't like our soldiers to die there but Uh, i mean isn't this you would have to be willfully ignorant if you're just like, oh, everything's okay with Obama, he deserves that peace prize still. They're non-combatant soldiers that we're but sending over. That's our fault. Why does the media not talk about it like that? And, and it's well, right. Like, like all the crawls, everything you see is, is non-combat. They're quoting exactly what the uh, DOD labels right. this, which they have people in rooms thinking about exactly every word they put out. It's like people who only eat like baked ruffles and they're like, well, it's technically it's baked. It's a little bit healthy. I'm <laughs> yes. going to plow through three bags. Like, right on. And you're still morbidly obese at the end of the yeah. day, but you feel less guilty, I guess. Because it was labeled differently on the back on right. the package. But yeah. And then going back to Iran, Obama also sent a letter now uh, yeah. to, uh, was it Khomeini that he sent the letter to? No, Khomeini died in 1988. He was the founding father. Oh, who's the guy now there? Khomeini. Which oh, 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 God. Oh, <laughs> It's Why like are, it's, as a man from Wisconsin, it's like John I nailed and, it. It's like John and Joe. There's a difference. All right, fine. So he sent it to Joe. Yes, exactly. John the name the, I can say. <laughs> right. Good Joe Hominy. Joe Joseph Hominy. Yeah. So yeah, I, but I I actually have not read any more about it. Do you, what? Do we know what, what the letter what, was basically about? How we have a uh, ISIS. We we both we both hate ISIS. Let's try to find. And then he also attached it to the uh, nuclear talks. Why was it secret? Well. Well, it wasn't secret. It was all over the press. No, now it's uh, all over the place. Right. But I read that this was a secret letter sent. Like, the White House didn't want people to know about it. Now that we know Well, about I wouldn't it. be surprised if the White House did want people to know about it. I mean, I don't yeah. think the White House... I don't... I, you know, whatever is reported, I think, is reported on purpose. Very rarely no, nowadays do we get any that's information true. that's, like, top secret, actual leak, Especially you know? from the government. Yeah, maybe Joe, maybe if Joe Biden can talk... If he talks for, like, an hour <laughs> and a half, he'll tell us every single thing we need to know about something. <laughs> You'll know Guantanamo about the, or, the next drone's um, yeah, exactly. flight path. Flight path by accident, but yeah, he's the Joe Biden's the guy who calls the election three hours before it's over. He's that you, you know you, you can't give him that many secrets. Sure, uh, the man likes to talk, and I think people like him for it. But uh, so, what, what do you think the relationship is going to be? Do you think that was a good idea to try to engage Iran? I mean, the government is as crazy as it's ever been. It's and very, they and it, uh, our relationship government? with uh, yeah, and their relationship that we already have with Israel is like falling apart. You know, and 
Not yeah. like Israel is like super nice. I mean, they've been murdering these Palestinian kids in bulk. The yeah, U.S. Uh, is stuck in a, a year weird now. place because we're trying to do something good in the Middle East. Right. But it's also very difficult to do that by taking sides. You know, and we've, we've because it's so fluid. These tribes and everything like that. Not just that, but we've taken literally like a religious side in a very important part of the world. We we're more Israeli than anything else in the Middle East. Yeah, for whatever reason. Do the Middle East still see us like that? Even of though course. here in the states, if you talk to a Republican, they would think that Obama was the most anti-Semitic uh, leader since you know the Muslims in the Middle East all see it that way and even the christians in the middle east most of them see it that way because it's a total biased jewish uh, support that we we've given the israeli state how are the what's the life of an iranian jew like is are they really um uh, are they completely uh segregated are they treated poorly are they treated differently than you know muslim iranians you know up to the up to the revolution they were actually very well yeah uh they were part of the elite and they were you know it, it was a secular government so no one gave a shit whether you were Baha'i Jewish Christian or Muslim didn't matter so they were very right. powerful influence it didn't matter no one labeled anyone but after the revolution you know any religion all religious minorities became taboo because mm-hmm. it's an Islamic Republic so right. it comes with that <laughs> problem yeah yeah sure. and so, and yeah of course they get prosecuted you know they say they have the right according to the Quran and Islamic ro- laws to live their life but as a society they're a minority in a very oppressive regime mm-hmm. that even oppresses Muslims so right. being Jewish isn't no it's bad it's it's it, I'm sure it's very difficult right. to be a Jewish person but there So what do you think about lot. him engaging with them in a in a Obama. I mean this is the first time that a president has really <clears throat> sent a letter to them uh in a very very long time and uh he treats them definitely with he's definitely more willing to engage than any president yeah, you because know, that he, I can remember he does understand as Since much as Israel is important in the solution in the Middle East, yeah. Iran's also the other big power, power, and so is Saudi Arabia. So U.S. has to deal with three countries that right. he has. Two of them he has diplomatic relations with, Saudi Arabia and Israel, and the third one we don't have diplomatic relations, which is Iran, the other superpower. But now the Saudis and the Iranians don't get along either, right? The Saudis and the Saudis hate the uh, Israelis, but they sort of keep see, a peace. It's very complicated. It's okay. To take the politics out of it, the Iranians and the Israelis actually have more in common in right. the region because they're both very powerful. They're both against the Sunni extremists like Al-Qaeda, Taliban, and all that stuff. So you have the Iranians and the Israelis thinking that, like that. But they have an issue over Palestinians because Iran doesn't recognize Israel as a state and wants to free Palestine. And, of course, Israel has the right to exist mm-hmm. and um, opposes the Iranian terrorism in the region. Right Now, the Saudis are also pretty shitty because we support them and they're against everybody um they're the the breeding ground of sunni extremism Mm -hmm. isis al-qaeda and it it just keeps getting worse and that's where they're getting all the money and support from are they the most powerful i guess they're a monarchy right it's a monarchy very oppressive right old school monarchy not i mean they still behead people and you know but the u.s is like fine we don't need to put democracy over there though no, you know. because as long as we have a decent relationship with 
the oil family were good. Right. But yeah, I mean, Saudi Arabia is one of the worst countries in the world. Yeah, and of course, everyone everyone on 9-11 was, uh, was from Saudi. Most of them Saudi. Uh, which is interesting, but they got a clean 17 pass. out of the 19, if I'm not mistaken, were Saudi and then Egyptian and Lebanese. Right. So uh, so do you think that's a, a, a right strategy to go and uh, try to have the Iranians help us out in fighting ISIS? And- yeah, because, you know, yes and no. Does it legitimize them too much? Not just that, but it's also, you know, depend if ISIS is defeated by the Iran, like people like the Iranian government and the Syrian government, then that also extends Iran's power in the region a lot more. Sure. Which, which is already powerful. Because once they take ISIS out, using Hezbollah and the Iranian government, Revolutionary Guards, and Bashar Assad's government, mm-hmm. then that entire piece of land is pretty much... It's going to belong to Iran. Yeah, which already kind of does. That power vacuum yeah, Iranians huh? were the first people to take advantage of what happened in Iraq and became a Shiite government. They already right. had it in Syria. They had it in Lebanon. Is Iran looking to expand? Of course, yeah. Iran's history has been about expanding. It's it's it was one of the oldest and largest empires in the world. Persian Empire was like yeah. way to fuck out all the way to Europe. They were they were competing against. Uh, the Greeks, the Greek Empire, the big, the first conflict between the East and West in history was the Persian and the Greek Empire. Right. So yeah, they've always and they're very, they have a lot of influence in South America, all the way in Indonesia and yeah. everywhere. They try, you know, we don't always, we shouldn't always look at it religiously. So would would you say getting their help is a good idea, it's even a, though they're going to now get expanded power? In the area, we need- and would that be bad? I mean, is would Iran filling the vacuum of you know the devastated uh, Iraq is that bad? Or I mean, at least they have a government set up that's relatively functional. I'm not a politician, so I can't really say how like I would deal with it. But I see what could be right and what could be wrong. Uh, if Iran wins, then basically. Um, it's a terrorist state has become a powerful, more legit government in the region. If, if but also if Iran does directly get involved, and we don't want to make it a Shiite Sunni conflict because okay. that's what ISIS and Al Qaeda have put their money on, and Iranians are Shiites. So the more we work with the Shiites to defeat the Sunni extremists, I think it's at if it doesn't work. It's going to be bad for the civil problems that they have in the region between the Shiites and the Sunnis. And if it does work, then what does that mean about the future of Iran's strength and influence in that region? Well, then I guess the Sunnis would just become a, become extremely oppressed if Iran and the Shiites continue to expand, huh? Say again? So the Sunnis would then become, you know, more radicalized and become more yeah, of victims of, uh, of a Shiite yeah. uh, and, and Israel's government. upset because Israel, I think Israelis actually favor ISIS over Iran because really? I think so because ISIS is still a gang of a very powerful one but right. it's a terrorist group of thugs Iran's a state with much more sophisticated capabilities and right. strength in their in the world weaponry and influence money or everything so ISIS wants to beat that state <laughs> right they're not Iran is that state they're not as extreme and crazy and violent they're definitely not they're yeah. very diplomatic they're not suicidal it's not a country that's going to react like the way ISIS does and hasn't been and that's why they're good at what they do they're very powerful do you think ISIS could ever actually sustain something like that 
I don't think so because first of all, it's just they're so crazy that it yeah. it would be inhumane of any of us to watch. And I mean, we 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 saw what Taliban was doing, and we didn't like it. These guys are worse, right? Way worse, yeah. So I don't think it's ever going to happen. But at, to what cost and how long and all that stuff is the big question. Yeah, I mean they're collecting taxes and stuff. But they're they're attempting to make. Yeah, a, they've become a small state right now. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and now they're using the old bath, um, bathists, uh, military people to train pilots and shit like that. Yeah. So it's like they're trying to to be that legit state. They're recognized by the whole right. world, but it's not going to happen because they're just too fucking crazy. Right. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we actually get uh, some troops over there. And I think, you know, we'll win as soon as I'm we... I'm okay uh, with the troops. Yeah. I'm okay with the troops. You're, I, so you would just say, just tell them, just U.S. ground troops, get down there. As much as I was against sending troops and invading Iraq in was the dumbest decision that America I was also made. against Obama pulling out the troops so quickly like that. Because right. once we took his shit in Iraq, we should have stuck around and and, Got to. and help clean it we couldn't i mean pulling out the troops because our people want the troops to come back home yeah. wasn't the right answer no it's like when somebody crop dusts on a, on the subway you know <laughs> someone just farts their entire uh, you know walk down the subway and, and we, then they hop on the train and you're sitting there we made that mistake in afghanistan you know we we <laughs> fed them so much weaponry and shit like right. that and then all of a sudden uh when the soviets were defeated we didn't give a shit we left people do whatever they want to do and, and that that was the beginning of taliban and al-qaeda we're yeah. paying for that today. It's crazy. Um, yeah, all right, cool. You want to talk about your sub- subway guy? No, there's a naked guy in the subway yesterday. That's on the cover of the New York Post. Every single thing that we talked about, Saman or Bobby specifically talked about, is more important than the cover of this supposed <laughs> uh, newspaper. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, that's true. It's a, There's a naked guy. The story is just another story in the naked city. And there's a fella that someone took a picture of on the L train, butt naked, sipping some whiskey. He's got socks and shoes on. That's it. Which I never understand how someone is naked with socks and shoes on. I guess you wear bell bottoms. How do you how do you get your pants off? Or, or you, you take <laughs> the pants off, or you just forgot to put them on entirely. I was gonna say just to, not even forget, just deliberately not right. even put them on. You yeah. got up, you brushed his teeth, and just put on his shoes. And yeah, you speak. don't want to scuff your Sucks. feet up, you know. Yeah, no. As a, as a person, who, hey, it's I cold. Mean, you're still in public, all right. Right. It's you know? cold out, man. You don't want to walk bare feet. Mm-hmm. Your licking balls could be hanging out like that, but feet are important. Maybe mm-hmm. he watched a documentary on sweatshops, and he's like, "I'm not wearing slave labor clothes." True. Okay. To throw he's a liberal. Yeah. He's a nice liberal guy. That's yeah. why he's on the cover of Post, New York Post. That's Cities what happens here in New York. Filthy liberal. <laughs> right. The whole world's burning, but there's a naked guy on the subway. Well, if if you remember, I mean, they love putting these fucked up things on the cover. But yeah. uh, last year was that terrible picture of that guy who was pushed uh, in front of the train. That's right. And I thought that was so the most tasteless shit they ever did. And this is yeah for the New York Post. Yeah, I think this is one of the yeah. best covers they've had. Actually. I agree. I think it is one of the best covers they've ever had. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Thank check you out. Guys. Uh, get the that's. What's your Twitter, Mike? Uh, Mike Coscarelli. <laughs> That's a clever one. I'm at Ben Kissel on Twitter. <laughs> Follow us, and then it's just uh, what Saman or Bobby, right? Yeah, we're all we're all very simple people. Simple people. Um, Peasants. Any, anything else you want to plug, Saman? No, man. I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be here. Thank you both. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. So watch the movie because it's very cool, man. Watch Rosewater. And and, I'm, uh, I'm not making money off of it. <laughs> I just saw it. It was a very good movie. November 14th, uh, check out the interview with Saman Arbabi as he interviews Jon Stewart. And, uh, again, go back and listen to some old episodes of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat with Saman. Um, he talks about his war experience, and you'll really get to know him, and he's an amazing, I'm a talented vet. person. You are a vet, dude. <laughs> You've been around. I can't, believe you, uh, I can't believe you don't have massive PTSD. I, would, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Uh, you know, I saw a documentary 
uh, about that, about journalists yeah. who have covered war zones. And I think I've had it at some point. I'm sure you have. Uh, I just didn't know it. Right, because you're a lunatic. Uh, well, no, it's just when you leave that world and yeah. you come to a normal world when like your problem is like your bill at the end of the month and shit like that. But over there, you're like a bullet to your head any second type of thing. It fucks with your head. You're like, what? what is going on? Yeah. You know, it, we, it's a tiny planet, man, but it's very complicated. So many problems. Right, right now, there's so many weird shit going on yeah. that we don't even know. Well, we'll talk about it in the future, of course. It's such an honor to know you, Saman. You're a genius. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, All right, everyone. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.